Welcome back to Sexy Marriage Radio, Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, where we are talking all things married life and sex and love and romance and pleasure and eroticism and, you know, any other kind of words we can throw in there that are just make life enjoyable. There you go. We, uh, we would love to hear from you if you have anything on your mind that you want to hear, hear about, questions, thoughts, criticisms, comments. Send us, send us anything you'd like at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Hop on to iTunes and leave a review if you would like. Positive, negative, does not matter. We just want to hear what's going on with you. And you can also call us at 615-56-SEXY-SIX. So, Gina. That's right. I was looking through the information, you know, the emails and just kind of going through catching up, I guess you could say. And it seems, you know, you and I are, you know, we've, we, we represent 40 years in married life yes. between the two marriages because yeah. we're not married to each other. <laughs> For our listeners. But we, uh, so we have a lot of knowledge, I guess, just from experience, mainly, that we're pulling from, and then also just from educational background, experiences with people, talking to different people, speaking, et cetera, that we do. And the stages of life that we're in, you know, kind of seems to be where we spend a lot of our time talking, just because that's where we live. So it's kind of obvious we're going to talk about where we live. But I was noticing a trend of some of the things that maybe we haven't focused enough on for our listeners, because this is a listener-driven show, and we want to honor what's on our listeners' minds. And so I'm thinking we need to dive into the world of... Old and young. Okay. The young not married or young and married? Uh, I think they're probably both. I mean, because when you're young, you're in your 20s, you know, young 20s, that, you know, the the world just is different Mm -hmm. than it is when you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s. And then it's different again when you're in your 60s and 70s and 80s. So... It, it seems to be, you know, what would be some advice, some thoughts when we, l- let's start young and we'll just progress through the years. Okay. What would be some advice looking back that you would counsel like your kids, my kids, other people that listen, that have kids or are kids. <laughs> I'll put 20 year olds as kids. When you hit 40, all of a sudden everybody, you know, <laughs> below 30 is a kid. I know it. So what would be some advice that, you know, they're dating, they're not married, they're engaged, they're in a serious relationship. You know, what's, what's some things to be mindful, to look out for, to be sure you have conversations about, etc. Right. Well, let's start with that. That's a great idea. And I, I would say, first of all, check your belief system to see if you really believe in love that can last forever. Because it's easy to come into a relationship uh, thinking sometimes it's just subconscious because of what you've seen you might believe that relationships don't really work and so if you have that in the back of your mind then it's certainly going to affect how vulnerable you make yourself and it's going to affect how much you work through the tough times because somewhere you're you're thinking well marriage 
you know, we can always get divorced or marriage may or may not work out. So I'd say, first of all, check your belief system very closely and see, do you believe that marriage can last forever? And do you believe your marriage can last forever? And if not, then you want to challenge those doubts. And, and be aware of the family of origin patterns. Exactly. That, that you're bringing into the situation and that your mate is bringing into the situation because it's, it's very common that you're coming from a family where at some point in the genealogy, there's divorces, there's separations, there's unmarried, there's all these different situations, but it's becoming more and more prevalent that yeah. divorce is just a reality that lots of people choose when maybe they don't necessarily need to choose it as easily. I mean, obviously there's situations, yeah, that's probably the right wise path. But then there's other that it's kind of just become, eh, well, I'll just get out. You know, I'll just, I'll just start over someone else. And to me, that's kind of sad. I like that philosophy idea that you're pre presenting of, is this something that's for my life? Or is this just something till something better comes along or it's just too much work? Yeah. And speaking of that family of origin, look closely at your parents and your, your fiance's parents and that relationship you have with them. Wives, women, we always say how he treats his mother is going to eventually be how he treats you. Mm -hmm. And you might say, oh, no, because she's genuinely a wench or something. You know, he'd never treat me like he treats her. But the truth is we become like our parents, especially if we're not really conscious of those patterns. And even if you spend your lifetime saying, I'll never be like my dad or I'll never be like my mom the fact that you're holding them up in front of your psyche all the time you can't help it mm -hmm. you might choose some area that you're not but in other areas just because you're lo looking at them all the time you, you believe me we all have things come out of our mouth we all do behaviors and we think wow that resembled somebody I grew up with so yep. for better or for worse you know yeah, and then the other thing is that can help with honing these values is just having some of the deeper conversations mm -hmm. while you're dating. Absolutely. And some of these are can seem a little forced. And so sometimes there's opportunities because it seems like, you know, you get a chance when you spend a time dating, you spend a whole lot of time talking. You know, that's that's kind of a phenomenon because of the phenylethylamine in your brain and the obsession of wanting to be with them and just this longing, I can't exist without you. So you're just sharing all kinds of stuff. But a lot of the stuff you're sharing is just minutia. You know, it's just mm -hmm. <laughs> surface. Very much. So you can take advantage of some of the different resources that are out there. I mean, what, what immediately pops to my mind is some of John Gottman's stuff. Right. Those are great questions. The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work is a great yeah. book because it's got real practical questions and things to kind of work through. I know Pam and I did this, worked through this book some on some of our road trips early in our marriage. And it had, and it brought about some great conversations that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So you can do that. Um, also, if you are serious about the person you're with and wanting to create a life together that lasts, um, I do recommend some premarital work that right. find a pastor in your church, somebody that's qualified to do prepare and enrich, which is a great premarital instrument that's very extensive as far as what all it covers. But research shows that the couples that do some premarital work increase the likelihood of the marriage lasting right. by quite a bit of percentage. 
compared to those that just don't do anything. Just, oh, our love will make it last. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think you have to realize, you know, the secret for making a marriage last is choose to stay together. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the, that's all it is. You just choose to work it out. But when you can be proactive about some of the stuff and have some of those conversations before you even get into the relationship, it really does help. So, you know, you can find different resources available. There's even some stuff online mm-hmm. to do preparing and rich and the checkups and some of those different things. So you can, those are great resources to take advantage of. Yeah, ask yourselves the uncomfortable questions because ultimately later the relationship it, it faces, and, and that's kind of what we're always talking about here, dealing with issues to bring change is, always involves some discomfort. So get used to that. So uh, along those lines, let me ask you this, Gina. Mm-hmm. You're in a relationship with somebody. You're in your you know early 20s. You're, you're getting serious, mm-hmm. and now you're coming up against the boundary of how much physically should we do before we're married because each person's going to have their own value that they place on well some some things are okay everything's okay there's actually no sex there's i don't kiss at all i mean what there's all these different continuums of what's appropriate physical contact and what's not and appropriate is a relative term Realize right. that in the context we're talking about here, it's based on the people involved. What kind of counsel should we give to the couples involved? Because we are we are big proponents of you live according to your values. You live according to what you hold dear. Whatever those come from, whether it's a religious connotation, whether it's just family connotation, whether it's some other spirituality context, doesn't matter. Those all shape us. And we then have to live accordingly. So we live in a society where people are waiting to get married later and later. Mm-hmm. How much How much well, should they do? Yeah, that's hard to answer separate from my own convictions, obviously. <laughs> obviously. You know, I, I see a culture, even, even within our faith, you know, as, as Christians, we see a culture that has no boundaries. It mm-hmm. seems like kids are having oral sex in middle school, so many sexual partners by the time they're even out of high school. or So some of them feel like, hey, if I, if I stayed pure through high school, then in college anything's fair. Uh, so the concept of waiting until marriage, I, until even having uh, any kind of sexual arousal, is almost completely foreign. Right. Unless it almost seems like just fringe faith people say we won't kiss we won't do anything that's arousing right uh, and so to me that is actually really unfortunate and, and heartbreaking because i think we've bought into a culture who's not developed and pressed and formed by people who are celebrating the happiest lives that we want to model and so in a lot of ways the we're this product of marketing and a product of programming and a product of a society that I don't always feel has their best interest at heart. And so that's unfortunate to me if all their education comes from movies and TV. It's an instant gratification society that we live in. And so it's one of those act in the moment and and don't worry about the consequences. Don't worry about what's going to happen later. You know, just get wrapped up in the situation. So if you are pre-married, and I think this still applies 
in a slightly different form, but this still applies even in your marriage, of you have to be proactive with the situations you're going to be in in your life. You know, yeah. even in my own marriage, I have to be proactive about any kind of situation I could possibly be in with another woman. You know, yeah. because obviously with my profession, I counsel women. Mm-hmm. And I have the I have the boundary of there are certain things in areas of life with a woman I will not counsel on. Right. Because all it takes is somebody saying, hey, Dr. Allen did this. True or not, I've got a huge problem. You know, and that's the world we live in. So if you're pre-married, you know, in the pre-marriage world, it's this whole idea of how much should I do? You know, how, how active, physically active can I be, should I be, whatever, in the relationship. And you have to be proactive about, okay, here's the boundary I don't want to cross. Here's the line I don't want to cross. And you take into advice family, religion, other people. You know, you, it, all this influences who we are, but the whole point of it is is it helps shape who we are, not necessarily I mean there's a difference I think between shaping who we are and defining who we are right so you want to shape it so you take in influence and then you make your decision and you live accordingly and one of the best advice one of the counsel, best counsels I've heard was from I cannot remember the name of the book while I'm while I'm thinking of this mm-hmm. but it's she was talking about she she and her fiance at the time she's now married had a philosophy of we want to remain pure as far as sexually active before we get married, we don't want to get in situations that hormones are taken over and it's really difficult to stop. So they adopted, they, they went to college someplace up in the Northeast and they adopted the philosophy of when we are alone together, we will not go beyond in, in, and do anything that we would not do on the steps of the main building at our campus at school. So, so in private, act like you're in public. Right. So if we were out in public and we were comfortable with a, a, a kiss, fine, we'll do that in private. If not, if, it, if we're not comfortable with a certain level of kiss, because there's varying degrees of kisses, <laughs> then, right. then we won't do that in private. We only act as we would if we were in public, which that's pretty good counsel as far as it kind of gives you a clear, all right, there's some things I'm not going to do in public. Hey, if people are listening, if they're used to even just making out then to a point of arousal and climax, which is so delightfully easy when you're flooded with hormones and so young, they're listening to that thinking, you're kidding, right? <laughs> like to go backwards now. Right. So, you know, the less... The less, though, that you can make that your goal, this physical release, it, it, the better and the healthier relationship will always be because there is such diminishing returns, and right. you know that. Remember in middle school, you hold someone's hand and your heart's pounding out of your chest. Right. And so... Um, yeah, think, of, all, think of all the brain research that's out there. Exactly. And how we've already talked about, and most of our listeners probably know, sex and the chemicals that go on in your brain alter your brain right you know it releases because sex produces more desire for sex and a bonding on a spiritual level an emotional level and physical and on a mental level it's a it's a 
impossible to separate completely once you've been intimate. Right. So, so if you put into this this idea of the brain changes when you're sexually active with somebody, but yet the brain is still being formed until you're 25 to 28 before it's fully formed to the biological level it's designed to be. Anything before that is going to alter things. Mm-hmm. Who knows how much more than if it was something after. That To me, that's just an interesting kind of train of thought of, okay, if I'm young, sex is so much more than just physical. Right. There's so much more involved that's not usually talked about. The emotional components to it, the mental components to it, let alone the spiritual components to it. Because I think all those things are happening. And so that whole idea of, oh, I can do this and it won't alter me. It won't bother me. It won't, oh, it's just meaningless sex. Is it? No. I mean, everything I have come across shows, no, there's no such thing as meaningless sex. That yeah, that only happens no. in all the other animal kingdom. Because then it it's just all. Doesn't. Well, it does. The meaningless sex happens right. in the other animal kingdom. There's some species that they mate for life, but that's a rarity when you get outside of humans because humans are the only species that are allowed to, that are capable of creating meaning. And that's the prefrontal cortex and the part of our, the front part of our brain that allows us to make meaning out of what happens in our life and what we do. And that's what, that's what's altered when it comes to sex. That's why we are big proponents of married sex because it's a lifelong secret kind of life, elegant kind of life that you create with another person that no one else knows about. I mean, that's, that's an elegance of marriage to me. Yeah, and it keeps it, um, it keeps it precious, and it keeps it exclusive. And remember, it's something is valued because of how exclusive it is, not because of how available it is. So, um, how far is too far? That depends on for what. For what? If your heart's desire is to please God, to to be congruent to your faith, then that's that's right. one thing. If you're only talking about sociology, you know, then still we're going to say the less research shows that the happiest marriages happen after the relationships that had less sexual contact, not more. Well, every everybody I have counseled that has any kind of guilt or shame associated with sex, mm-hmm. it stems back to to a degree things they did before they got married, either with or without their spouse. You know, we, it's one of those things we hold on to those things at a deep level and we don't realize it rears its head. And granted, some of us are raised in homes or churches or environments that are, that constantly have a negative connotation to sex. That's kind of, that's skewing things anyway. Right. When we are big believers that it's a blessed, beautiful thing that you have to just kind of grow into you know it's i don't think it's just blessed from the start it's one of those like we have to realize we're capable of enjoying it and capable of experiencing it on deeper connecting levels and capable and so we kind of grow into that and that's where sex gets better over the over the lifespan you know because that's where the, the other side of research comes in and shows the hottest sex happening is in the longer married couples you know, the marriage bed of the older married, quote unquote, where they got a lot of life under them. You know, 18 years is one of those things I even heard mm-hmm. before intimacy is even possible. 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, oh. and I still can't find that Arbitrary study. Arbitrary number. Yeah, I still can't find that study, but and it's one of those that, okay, that 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 it, it falls in line with all the other stuff that shows the longer you stay married, the better things get. And sex is no different. Right. So, so if that's you're younger, not a very cut and dried answer. No, it's not. It, I mean, because again, it, it comes down to value. It's just like what you've talked right. about. And the idea of, you know, for us, our values would be, no, I think there's lots of things that need to be saved for marriage. That's where I, I am. I say this. One thing that really impressed my daughter that she hadn't thought about until I mentioned it was that when I saw how much self-control her dad used with me, and we weren't, you know, we weren't always totally congruent with our values, but we didn't have sex till the honeymoon. And so, you know, the fact that, that he would honor that and, and the care that he put into honoring that relationship, I said, that makes it way easier to trust him now. Yeah. When I saw how much self-control he used. And so it, it does go back when you see, and that's why, of course, if you like started dating your boyfriend when he was already in a relationship with someone else, then that might play out again yeah. or, or marriage, you know? So all of those things, looking at your family of origin, looking at what your values are, and and setting up situations, I guarantee the reason I was a virgin when I got married was because of the lines that we drew before I was tempted, both mm -hmm. with the boyfriend I dated for years and then with Paul. Because if I'd waited till the temptation was on, it would have been over. Yeah. So you make your decisions. Yeah, and that's where you have to be proactive right. with, and that just, and that's the same with everything in life. That I need yeah. to be clear on my boundaries for my own life. And, and boundaries are an important, healthy part of life. They allow us to survive and they allow us to be closer than we ever thought with another person. Because we create these boundaries. And that's what marriage is. It creates a boundary. It's a container that says, I'm going to experience this part of life with no one else but you. Yeah, it says I choose you. Right. I choose you. I, I that's why there's a value in going to weddings and standing up with the young couples that choose again or at any age to yeah. to be able to be look at your mate again and say, I choose you again. So the other advice that will lean into going to the older couple is that understand that those hormones and that euphoria that you feel early in the marriage isn't equivalent to love. It's equivalent to hormones and chemicals. <laughs> it's it's and, biology. And, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's biology. And so when those chemicals, they're not triggered, the dopamine's not triggered quite so easily by the same stuff, it doesn't mean you're not in love anymore. Right. It, it means that there's a different, different kind of love to pursue. It actually, to me, I think it means it creates a tremendous opportunity to grow more in love, to become more vulnerable. And the one thing I think of is a story I came across that was a case study of another couple, and this was an older couple, and he was one of those high-powered men that was just real driven, and that's kind of that's largely what attracted his wife to him because he was just such a powerful, masculine, alpha kind of presence. But then as he got older in his life, his erection went away to a degree. It wasn't as solid, if you will. It was strong. And to him, that was a huge identity crisis. Because lots of men equate their performance and their penis to their identity. <laughs> so of course. those all go hand in hand. But when he was willing to soothe himself and confront himself and realize, okay, 
I'm not as erect as I used to be, and then offer his wife the opportunity to assist in intercourse and it opened up the avenues to be able to connect on different levels, not just physical. Now all of a sudden they started talking during sex and they started opening up different mental things and emotional things that were, that were between them that they never had experienced before because he was willing to say, okay, help me out here. Or she was willing to start, you know, jump in and start to help out. And he was willing to accept that because that's the stuff that happens in marriage. It's really difficult. You know, it, when, when you exactly. are afraid, when you're face to face with your own shortcomings and inadequacies because of physical, because of emotional, because of age, whatever, you have to come to grips with some things. Right. But if you have never seen Dr. Brene Brown's TED talk on vulnerability, you, you have to see it to understand that vulnerability is the very crucible of joy and ecstasy. So that's really powerful. When sex gets boring, it's because vulnerability is not there anymore. Yeah. And so to how to keep love alive, a big part of that is forgetting this notion that you already know this person. Right. Like we think, oh, I already know him. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. Or we, we get into these ruts and these patterns. And so just in daily life, and not even just sexually, but emotionally and even with your children and, of course, a non-sexual way, say to yourself, I don't know this person at all. Mm -hmm. And look with completely new lenses as if it's the first time and listen with fresh ears to what's being said and what's not being said and see if you can uncover a key to their heart. And that's what keeps love growing so much deeper and keeps passion alive and, and, and keeps sex sexy. And, and that goes a long way. And it's also, it's also what keeps us developing as people and growing at deeper levels because you know i think of the times later in life where maybe the interest in sex just isn't there what it what it used to be and maybe you shift positions of high desire low desire maybe he was the one that drove it all the time and then later in life he had other things that were really challenging him and and so now she so this is a chance to have a a, a better shaping of yourself because ourselves our solid sense of selves as we grow up and that's what i believe marriage is really designed to do is help us grow up it we create a solid but permeable self yeah malleable that, and permeable that, that it shifts exactly. and it and it adjusts with this with the life stages and with the different things that happen and so all of a sudden now i'm not going to be as defined by my performance mm -hmm. i'm i realize that doesn't define me you know, I know I'm more solid and capable, so I can then realize I can adjust other things. Because, you know, the whole world we live in, this the stuff that the messages that are sent to the younger married or the unmarried that when they're young, at the same end of the, at the other end of the spectrum, stuff is sent to the older marrieds mm -hmm. of, well, if you're having performance problems, then take the blue pill. That'll solve it. But yeah. sometimes the problem's not what's going on below the waist. It's what's going on above between the ears and the heart and in Absolutely. the heart. So this is a chance to, okay, maybe it's not just an erectile difficulty with blood flow, which is what the blue pill can take care of. 
this is an erectile difficulty with the heart and the mind. And so I need to get closer and more erotic with my spouse to help take care of a performance issue. Yes. And we're such holistic beings. We can't, you can't separate that. And so there's that emotional component. There's, and there is the physical component as well. So it's, and it's unquestionable how important right. it is to right. take care of your physical health. It all goes hand in hand. And then when you add the relationship to it, yeah, it, it can be something that helps. It can be something that challenges. It can be something that takes us places we've never been before. And it's usually all of the above. Right. <laughs> so, so look into it. Look into, look into all of it. Look into anti-aging. Yeah. Look into better health. Look into nutritional supplement and eating right and exercise. Look into how to connect emotionally. Look at how to keep exciting things in your life outside of the bedroom. Look at how to grow yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically. All, all of that. Yeah. The more you're growing as individuals, the more passion you'll have in your marriage. And then you get the chance to sit down across from your spouse with no one else around because the kids are already gone. And you get you to can. say, you know what? I am looking forward to going places we've never been together yet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how awesome is that? It's beautiful. And even if you've had some rocky patches that you're overcoming, I just want to send you out knowing and saying to yourself that my future is brighter than my past. Yep. And we have great things to look forward to. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> you bye bet. Bye. We believe bye bye. in you.